0: This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida.
1: With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp.
0: Happy
2: Monday to you, Bulls fans. Derek Sharp here summing up an eventful weekend, especially considering going back to Thursday's action. We did not do a show on Friday, just in I guess we have one more occurrence of this all year long, kind of sadly. But anytime it's a game day for football, it's pretty much a full day for me getting the broadcast ready from commercials to pregame segments, etc. And Friday, since it was a Friday game, kind of took precedence and I did not do a show. But we will in our second segment go back to what happened on Thursday night to some degree with the men's soccer win and the men's basketball wild game. But, of course, we'll recap what actually happened Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Unfortunately, men's soccer would lose after the big win. In fact, their most high-scoring win in NCAA tournament history that you're still going to get highlights of from Thursday night. Top-ranked team in the country and still undefeated. Kentucky beats the Bulls on Sunday night, 4-0. What a great season still that we are not done talking about for sure. Women's basketball had a tricky game on Sunday afternoon, if you weren't able to hear it. We were in Fort Worth for that. We'll give you a full recap with highlights in our second block as well. And we'll also tell you about the two volleyball matches over the weekend. Bulls pick up a win on the road and lose in the other match. Two left in the season for Jolene Shepherdson's team on a busy week that we have coming up for you here. We've got men's basketball in Daytona tonight, women's basketball at home tomorrow, and then in Fort Myers later on this week. We've got volleyball Wednesday and Friday to end their season. And, oh, yeah, we've got the war on I-4 It is Saturday night at 7 o'clock. And let me tell you, I love what the folks at USF are doing. It's going to be Fan Appreciation Day. More than $55,000 in prizes that you can be eligible for if you're at the game. And you're wearing green. That is so, so important. There's going to be some UCF fans there. Maybe not as many as there would have been. As I'm sure the great fans will maybe be lesser after their... Dismal performance against Navy, which dropped UCF, well, in many ways, deflated them in the bounce house. We've got around the American later on today, and we'll give you a full recap of the weekend around the conference. But yes, if you're wearing green, so if you're a UCF fan, you are stuck. You can't win Taylor Swift tickets unless you wear green. Genius marketing. Yes, Taylor Swift tickets are among the giveaway items. Head to go usfbulls.com, go on that fan appreciation day post, and you'll see all that's going to be given out. We'll give you more details on how it's going to happen, obviously, as we get closer to Saturday. But this past Friday night was a crazy game, a 48-42 loss to Tulsa that featured, as you know by now, a perfect start into deep in the fourth quarter for Byron Brown. It also, unfortunately, featured the Bulls' defense, again, just struggling to slow down its opponent, figured that generic Prince, the fine running back for Tulsa, was going to have a big game. He sure did. Ran for 220 yards. Keelon Stokes, our outstanding receiver, six catches for 145 yards. And the Bulls did get a few stops here and there, but just not enough, especially in a sequence in the second quarter that we're going to allude to here. In and around, no incompletions from the true freshman quarterback. Yes, first half highlights, a medley of Byron Brown's passes only. And that is a notable medley for you
0: third down and six from the Bulls 42 they snap in time Brown's first throw he's got a man it's caught it's Atkins and he's
1: got the first down in Tulsa territory at the Golden Hurricane 45 yard line well first of all really nice route by Sean Atkins but here we are getting an opportunity to see what type of ball that Byron Brown throws And he's so tall, he gets to stand back in his pocket and just look over the shoulders of his offensive linemen and again, just with confidence, just place the ball right where it needed to be. They fake to Powell on the rollout, caught by Matillo, the tight end. And again, Brown
0: will split out to the left. Dukes will take the snap, hands it off to Batty, pitches it back to Brown, throws to Atkins, he's wide open, makes the catch at the 35, and gets down to the Tulsa 20-yard line. So the Bulls go deep into the playbook, and they
1: execute it beautifully, 37 yards. And that was a play that was well-developed. Obviously, they practiced a lot in practice because the ball was exchanged between four people's hands. Here's Brown to throw toward the end zone. Caught Chris
0: Matillo. Touchdown. Another trick play. It was the handoff to Batty, the pitch back to Byron Brown, and he hit the tight end Chris Matillo. That is six for the Bulls.
1: Yeah, that was a great job. I mean, just two. two nobody expects that, first of all. I mean, <laughs> trick plays rarely happen in the game, so you run two pack to pack. That was a typical. Hook and ladder play, instead of throwing it deep to a receiver, they find the tight end about 15 yards down the field, and he did the rest. Great job by this coaching staff, and even a better job by the players for executing what's been called. And they have to watch out for Byron Brown running the ball. 36
0: yards to the Tulsa 27, first and 10. Quick throw caught by Holden Willis. He gets through a tackler and he's gonna have enough for the first down. They'll put four wide to the left, including Batty. Empty backfield, quick throw, caught by Horn, coming across the middle and gets knocked down at the 15-yard line. He'll gain one handoff. No, he's gonna throw it. It's Horn, makes the catch in Tulsa territory at the 45-yard line.
1: That Horn catch wasn't an easily made catch. I mean, he caught that with about four guys in very near proximity of him. And again, just another great throw by Byron Brown. Dumps it off quickly
0: to Horn, catches it at the line of scrimmage and gets tackled for no gain. Quick throw to Horn, caught at the 40, gets to the 35, to the 30, and out of bounds at about the 24-yard line of Tulsa. That's a 24-yard catch. Horn now with three straight receptions. Brown to throw on first and 10 from the 24, caught by Atkins, he'll get out of bounds. Over the middle, caught, Atkins to the five, breaks a tackle, he's in the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida. Byron Brown is 11 for 11. And Sean Atkins gets the Bulls closer in the final moments of the first half.
1: Phenomenal throw by Byron Brown. <laughs> and I, I just had to look over at Jim. You said 11 of 11. I've been watching him, and I didn't even realize that he was 100% on throws tonight. And and freshmen just don't do that, right?
2: Absolutely right. Sam Barrington, amazing start. Now, there were a couple caveats. You'll hear some Actual incompletions that didn't count for such in the second half. The caveat in this case, or at least the, you know, what was left out of there, was the fact that the Bulls went about a full quarter without a pass attempt. That was because on their first drive after Tulsa had taken a 14-13 to 13 lead, there was a sack on second and seven leading to just the conservative play on third and 16. And then on their next drive, a fumble early in the drive, giving the ball right back to Tulsa, and during that time, the game really changed. It went from what was a 10-0 lead to quick three touchdowns, and it's 28-13, but you heard. And what we're leaving out is Brian Battee. I have a feeling we're going to have Battee highlights on tomorrow's show due to some weekly honors. But at least the Bulls got to within 28-20 at halftime. Tulsa would score right away to start the second half, but man, would the game change, and Byron Brown kept completing passes, and when he didn't complete a pass... There was a flag on the play that helped keep the incredible start going.
0: Now Daquan Stanley in motion. They give to Horn, going wide right, and he'll get cut down at the 43-yard line, picking up a couple. Nice defensive play by Bryson Powers on the tackle. Bulls will pick up five. He's got 53 rushing yards tonight. He's going to throw now, and this is caught by Atkins. And Atkins will fight his way to the 41. That'll be an eight-yard pickup. Atkins now with five catches. And a throw by Brown. Flag down looking for Horn. It's incomplete. Horn turned the wrong way, but Flag might be in a bad spot for the Bulls anyways. It's going to be a hole. You finally got the equivalent of a defensive stop or a turnover by recovering the onside kick. You really gotta cash in some points here. First and 20 from the 45, Matillo is the tight end right side, Batty the running back. Brown to throw, steps up, winds and deals, and it's caught by O'Marion Dollison, and he fights to the 27-yard line. That's an 18-yard pickup, second and two coming up. Byram is 14 for 14. Fake the pitch. Brown to throw. He's got Little John wide open. Touchdown, South Florida. Brown to Little John. And this is a 38 to 34 game with a lot of time left to go.
1: Byron Brown is absolutely slinging it, Jim. And I can't believe it. He's playing with so much confidence in this offensive coaching staff. He is dialing it up. Tulsa can't keep up with him.
0: Here comes Dukes. He goes in motion. Brown swings it to him, gets around one man, Dallison gives him a block, but there's a lot of blue shirts there. Late flag, he'll pick up four to the 31. That'll make it fourth and eight, and this is gonna be a penalty on South Florida that Tulsa may decline. First and 15 from the 49. Brown to throw, he's got Horn, but this is gonna go for no gain, maybe a loss on the play. Brown to throw, under pressure, rolling to the right, getting chased, throws on the run, and it is broken up, and Holden Willis can't make the catch, but now a late flag comes down.
1: Yeah, that's definitely going to be an interference call, Jim.
0: So that'll give the Bulls a first down on the Tulsa 35-yard line, and Brown's... Perfect passing mark is intact. He's 17 of 17 for 206. Dumps it off. It's caught by Atkins. He takes a huge hit. He's short of the first down by about a yard. Atkins is okay. Dukes will line up left side. Three wide receivers to the right. Atkins in motion. They pitch to him on the end around, and he's got an opening. Atkins with a nice run. They do call that a pass. So that's completion number 19 in a row for Brown. Looking, looking, crossing pattern, caught by Atkins, and he will get to the 30. That'll be a four-yard pickup, third and six. Atkins now with a career-high seven receptions. Brown to throw. Crossing pattern, same play. Atkins makes a spin move, gets the first down, needs to get out of bounds, and he's finally spun out of bounds at about the 22. Atkins has a 100 receiving yard day. Brown is now 21 of 21. Low snap, throws, and should have been caught. It's incomplete. Dollison couldn't pull it in at the three yard line. Might have been tipped before it got to Dollison. There is the first incomplete pass tonight. For Byron Brown after 21 straight completions.
2: Best start, obviously, for a freshman in his first start ever with the 21 straight completions. That last pass was actually just barely tipped, so a little bit of a visual deterrent for Dollison. And then, next play, there'd be a touchdown run by Brian Battee, who again was simply phenomenal in this game. Bulls had to onside kick down 48-42. They got the stop But taking over from their nine, of course, this is when the incompletion started to rack up, if you will. Tulsa coming up big with some good defense. And the Bulls had a chance. They would have had to go 91 yards. But just an amazing, amazing debut from Brian Brown. And he'll get the start in the last game of the season Saturday night at Raymond James. A lot else went on this weekend. We'll go back to Thursday night with some exciting soccer highlights and then tell you about the last game of the Bulls season. Also, women's basketball in fort worth on sunday with highlights and what happened with the men's basketball squad as well as volleyball when bulls beat continues
0: back to the beat bulls beat continues with derek sharp
2: well remember we did not do a show on friday just because again it was a football broadcast to prep for and i just didn't have the three or four hours required to put together the show but that means we never got to really recap what happened on thursday night when it came to both men's soccer and men's basketball. It was quite a night for men's soccer. Before we get to the bummer that was the end of the season, certainly want to give you a couple of the highlights from Thursday night as the Bulls simply scored their most goals ever in an NCAA tournament match, beating Hofstra 4-2. to What made it so good, not just the performance, but the fact that the crowd was so amazing, it was boosted by... You could just tell full other teams being there, but a lot of fans as well, where the baseball team really amped up what they call the goal mouth section, basically the end that the Bulls were going into. And the situation for me, I'm set up on the right side of the press box, which is the goal that the Bulls were going to in the first half. So you can really hear the crowd on the first two goals. But the first goal was scored by Hofstra, Elliot Goldthorpe. We told you he had 15 for the season. Well, he was phenomenal. He had two on this night and the Bulls fell behind, 1-0. But they were not deterred, and this was a sensational first strike for USF. Prevatera up to Spengler, to Hofstra Pride on him. Now gets a decent looking shot, in that goal! I'd say that was decent! Spengler was seemingly trapped in between two Pride players, and you know he's got a dangerous left foot, and they kind of slacked off him. Prevatera gave it to him, And yes, Bengua had to juke around two guys and got one of them twice, coming and going. The Bulls really had some incredible goals this season and picked an awesome time to have two more. Now this wasn't anything fancy, but it was dramatic and huge in the course of the game because it gave them a lead right before halftime. Bulls maybe looking for some late half drama to take a lead. Gabby hits it with 25. Oh, short corner Schaefer header, still in the middle and that's in! It's a goal for Oscar Rizzotto. And the Bulls do take the lead with 22 seconds left. Still, you were convinced that Hofstra had a good chance to come back and make this a scary game because they had never lost all year long when they scored first. They had tied one game, and, of course, a tie in regular season play is a tie, but a tie in the NCAA tournament means we're going to OT. So the next goal was the most important one, and we hope that it would come from the Bulls and yet again another fantastic goal here player falls down on the other side victorio gets it into the box onto his left foot a curler and a goal what a shot by marcus victorio make it three to one i put out a video of it thanks to espn plus and a lot of people like the video it just shows you everything the move the poise after he got the steal the victorio showed just tapping the ball tapping the ball setting up the defender and then three step overs just to give himself a little room on the left side and a perfect curling shot past their six-foot-seven goalkeeper. Made it 3-1. to one. Then Shion Soga, who had been injured for about a good month of the season, came on and got a big-time insurance goal to make it 4-1. to one. Hofstra would score with about 13 minutes left. Another Goldthorpe strike, but he injured himself on the landing and did not play the rest of the night. What a win for Bob Butehorn and the Bulls. Could they carry it over last night? Unfortunately, no. Kentucky, the undefeated number one seed for a reason, outshoots the Bulls 21-6. to Speaking of 21, that's about what the temperature was. It was just not Bulls-like conditions, and still they kept it close. It was one nothing at halftime, and then when UK got its second goal, a tenth of the season by Casper Grinning, the route was on, as it were, as they added two more at around the 15 minutes to go range, and the Bulls' fantastic season ends at 9-7-4. We're not done talking about them. I'll probably want to grab some post-script interviews, but one little note for you guys. After a team's season is over, the student-athletes basically get 10 days off for media or anything like that, so we'll revisit down the road and talk to some of the coaches as well. It's a Kentucky team that just hasn't been giving up many goals and kind of rolling its opponents since they tied three matches in a row they tied Dayton, a top 50-type team, 2-2. Two to two. At West Virginia, another team in the top 50, 3-3. Three to three. Then they tied Coastal Carolina, nothing-nothing, before racking up six wins in a row leading into yesterday and only giving up one goal. So basically, they're shutting everybody out at this stage, and they advanced to the Sweet 16. The number two seed, the team that the Bulls played earlier this season, Washington, was stunned by Creighton, as we give you a quick recap of the rest of the tournament. Two American Athletic Conference teams still going after, of course, five. Got the invites. Memphis lost in its first round, but in overtime in St. Louis. Good showing there. FIU and Tulsa both won last night. FIU in a wild shootout. Again, we'll give you full details on around the American. Tulsa also going overtime to win in its game. The only of the three conference teams that had a first-round bye that got beat couldn't hang on to a 2 nothing lead. SMU lost to Vermont last night, 3-2. to two. So Kentucky will play Pittsburgh in round three. The Sweet 16 kicks off, actually not until Sunday night. So with men's soccer finished, the only fall sports left are football. And we know, of course, one game left for the Bulls on the football field. And then two matches left for volleyball. We'll get to them in just a second. Yesterday afternoon, it was a tough one for the women's basketball team, but they prevailed, 66-59. At TCU, the Horn Frogs just went 6-22 and last year. Their school's all-time leading scorer, Lauren Hurd, graduated, and their next top seven scores all hit the transfer portal. So a rebuilt team, but you could tell they definitely had some talent in the form of Tomi Taiwo. She was a player from Iowa who can hit the three but was playing behind Caitlin Clark there. So she had scored 15 and 18 in her last two games, and she hit the Bulls for 18. They had two Big-time energy players off the bench in Lucy Ebay and Roxanne McCallough. Again, two transfers. And the Bulls really didn't match the energy, at least in the first half. as a lot of second-chance points. And just the uncanny knack to any time it seemed like the Bulls were going to pull away, hit a three-point shot, or convert a three-point play. Got TCU into this game and it was tied at half. That and the fact that the Bulls saw Dulce Fankhamenjiadu pick up a couple fouls. She only played nine minutes in the first half. Scored 20 seconds into the game but that was her only shot attempt. Sammy Puises, who's been outstanding for the Bulls hitting the threes, couldn't get going there. Only made one and had five points at the half. Ellen and Schnecki had nine. Another thing, and if you listen to the game and we'll of course replay it plenty for you, the TCU football team, which you know, They're having a good season. Actually was there in the first half and very loud and booing any call against the Frogs and really uplifting and adding to the environment. Well, they decided they just wanted to watch the first half. Maybe they had football practice. But the energy in the stands, you know, wasn't completely drained when the football team decided to head elsewhere. But it made a difference. And it is a good example as we just talked about with men's soccer, seeing, you know, so many fans there, of how crowd support, especially from your fellow teams, can really help, and I'm not saying that TCU needed the football team to be there to play well against the Bulls, because they still had plenty of chances to win this game, and they hung around for a while, but it was a different situation, and sure enough, the Bulls score six quick points with Vankamenjiadu back on the court, hitting two buckets, took three and a half minutes for TCU to score, Priscilla Williams, who's Frankly, struggled for her first few games with the Bulls. Hit a open three to put them up six. Ariel Wilson had a fine third quarter, played the entirety of it, hit two buckets and also three assists. But TCU once again hanging around. It was thirty nine thirty five going into the fourth. Then finally TCU cooled off, and with Dulcie back on the court to start the fourth quarter after picking up a third foul, it sure seemed like the Bulls were going to roll. Gonzalez fakes the three. She can shoot it from there. A floater. It's a good looking shot by Danny. And the Bulls again have their tied for largest lead, 51-45. They have yet to have a six-point lead and the ball. Bradley with 10 on the shot clock inside to Ebay. There she goes. Got to let her go. Oh, they called that no foul, and it's going to be Bulls' ball. What a change of events. Now Wilson with the drive. Can't quite pull the trigger, but she gets it out to Pui's for an open three. That's Puy for three right there. And the largest lead of the day for the Bulls, 54-45. Wilson drew the D with her drive and so bulls seems like anytime quesis gets it going games get put away we haven't gotten there yet but maybe maybe that was it quesis wants to pull but fisher out on her inside of dulcie pump fake and counted it one that's nice to see on the bulls side big smile from dulcie now Jeanette, the freshman from finland hands it off to chinecki we know she can handle the ball oh that's a sweet move to the rack but just off but dulcie gets the board put it up and in for dulcie she's going to end up in double figures after all of the Travail she's had today, and it's a 13-point game. And frankly, figured this would be about a 15- to 20-point margin, and it looked like it was heading in that direction. But TCU had one last run in it. Dulce Mengiadu picked up a couple fouls late. The Bulls got into that mode of you know knowing they could take their time on their possessions, but then not really getting off a good shot late in it. And TCU, which didn't get on the board in the quarter until 4.27 left, Made a run. It got scary, but then Elena Chinecki had the big answer for USF to finally hold off the frogs. To Taiwo, it's a big three, and she knocks it down. Tommy Taiwo, and just like that, it is a four point game to make it a 9-0 run and Tywo's first three-pointer of the half. Now Wilson looks to trigger again, good defense by TCU out to Chinecki, not a great pass and it's off the balls. it's TCU basketball with one to go, they got to watch out for Tywo, skip pass, fakes the three, drives in on Wilson, good looking drive and score it, 58-56, an 11-0 run for a team that didn't score for six minutes. 48 seconds, is gonna drive right away, lays it in, breaks the drought. I thought that was gonna rim out. 60 to 56 is the score, and give Elena Chenecki all the credit in the world for not hesitating. I was not interested in TCU having the ball and a chance to take the lead the way it was going, so Chenecki, way to go. TCU helped out with some missed free throws. In fact, they were 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. Kanisha Godfrey, the Tampa Bay Tech kid who scored early and kind of had that look about her like she was going to be taking Chenecki while well, Chenecki got her on the next possession. and As it turned out, Godfrey, that was her only make. It was 1 for 9 and 0 oh for 4 on threes. But again, they had other players do very well. Bulls actually shot 45%. Puysis and Chenecki combined just 9 for 26. But Chenecki, 21 points. Sammy only had 8, but then you had Brito go for 11 and 10 on five of nine shooting, Dulcie Fanka ended up with 10 points and five rebounds and didn't miss a shot, even though it was a frustrating day for her. Only storyline to keep an eye on, we harped on it on our pregame show just like the Alabama game, a lot of the freshmen who looked so good in those first against lesser opponents' victories just haven't been doing as much in the second half, other than Dulcie having to come out with foul trouble. You really didn't have much from the bench. There was a spell of a few minutes where Jeanette Arneau relieved. Wilson at point guard, notable because, first of all, Arno did a fine job, even though she's not going to have any stats. She just held down the fort, but she got that nod over who's supposed to be the backup point guard, Marina Asensio. Emma Johansson, who needed to play a little bit more with Dulcie Hurt, just has one field goal make since going 3-for-3 three three in the opener. So I think getting their confidence back is a big point of emphasis tomorrow night against New Hampshire. We'll talk more about it on tomorrow's show. We won't give you highlights from men's basketball or Brian Gregory on this show. Instead, we'll defer to the actual Brian Gregory show, which has highlights and plenty of them to remind you that there have been some good moments, just no wins in the first four games. But also, Brian Gregory show, it's an hour with he and Jim Lighthall. We aired it Sunday. We'll do it plenty a couple times today leading up to the pregame at 530. Coach is not shy about talking about what's going on with the team. He knows they're struggling, but also really zeroes in on what needs to happen, and you'll hear plenty of highlights in that second block, including from the Austin Peay game, where the Governors went on a 24-nothing run and led 27 to six in the first half. And yet the Bulls had it to two points at halftime and led by four. Looked like they were going to get a big, much-needed win. Could not score in the last four minutes and fell 62 to 60. Also, at the end of the program, you'll hear his preview of tonight's opponent over in Daytona and how good UAB is. It'll be Jim and Joy from Daytona starting at 5:30. And volleyball went one and one over the weekend. The one was a great win. Yasmin Shaw, a freshman who had no more than four kills in a match, had 16. Bulls were down two sets and 23-20 on the road and came back to win. But they couldn't carry it over to Sunday, falling to East Carolina in four sets. Two matches left for the ladies at home on Wednesday and Friday. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.